I'm literally hearing, like, I see a woman in a casket, like, really bad lipstick, and I see the word, like, whore, and I'm like, um, I don't feel, I, I don't. Hi, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to Stage Door Medium. Listening to Season 2, Episode 4, No Costco Sandwiches, featuring former Alphaba and star of Freeform's Good Trouble, Emma Hunton. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week and another episode of Stage Door Medium. I'm Jimmy. Thank you for being here. Before I introduce our, our really special guest for today, I had a question that I've been saving for a while because it would work really well with today's guest because of a show that she had done. So the que- I'm just going to turn up my mic. The question that I had received was, when we choose to reincarnate, do we travel back and come back within the same family circle or unit? And it's a, it's a good one. That's a really good question. I don't want to speak for all mediums. I don't want to give you this blanket 100% yes answer. But for the most part, yes, we do. The best way I can describe it is... If anyone else is out there is a fan of American Horror Story, you'll notice like every season, for the most part, Ryan Murphy hires the same actors. And I know there's a term for it. I know it, it, it dates back to like older theater where it was like a troupe that would basically travel with each other. And so long story short, that's kind of American Horror Story is kind of the way spirit works. So because on, a, on the deepest soul or spiritual level, Let's say I'm I'm talking about the relationship with my mother. We might come back because we have already had multiple lifetimes together. We will probably choose to come back again just in a different relationship or a different capacity. So next life, I might come back as, you know, um, I might come back as mom and mom might come back as one of my children or something like that. Because if we already have this history um, of of living and, and growing with these souls, Spirit typically knows keep them in the same unit because they're really going to know how to get the most out of each other. So that way, because the whole thing, the whole purpose of being here is growth. So that would be that would be my best answer. I think sometimes too, I, I won't lie, it's not that common where like, for example, you have somebody that passes away and then the next year when a baby's born, it's that soul that just passed away. It typically doesn't work that way. It will happen sometimes. There's been times where I've done readings and I'll, I'll say, did somebody pass away? And, and this is how I always like to fact check. I'll say, did somebody pass away seven years ago? And they're like, yes. And um, I'm like, have you noticed within the last year you've stopped getting signs from them? Like there's nothing anymore. And they'll say like, yeah, like I, I used to smell them. I used to get the pennies. I used to dream of them. And now there's nothing. So And then I was like, do you recently have a baby that was born within the family a year ago? And they said, yes. So for me, I do the math, I add up and I'm like, okay, they died seven years ago. You stopped getting signs from them a year ago. But again, it's not that common, but it does happen. But yes, long story short, we travel within family circles typically. So the reason I saved that question is because our guest today um, was in a show where she swaps bodies with, with with her onstage mom. And they kind of get to learn lessons. And that's what I was getting at. I mean, by going in another Ooh. vehicle, by going in someone else's skin, we're able to learn so much about, you know, about the human experience. So 
Oh goodness, let me go over their credits because they're so badass. They're so great. So uh, made her debut at 16 uh, in the Broadway production of Spring Awakening, which we're going to talk about because I have, I have questions about that. First national tour of Wicked, first national tour of Next to Normal, off-Broadway production of Rent, Freaky Friday, uh, Freeform's Good Trouble. Uh, we've got a really special one today, so please help me in welcoming the the incredibly talented and just gracious uh, Emma Hunton to our show today. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. I'm, I'm so pumped. Um, I'm so honored to be here. I like when you asked me to do this, I was like, okay, <laughs> me? Sure. Because we were set up, I'm going to let you tell the story, but we were set up through um, Lindsay Heather Pierce, current yeah. Alphaba, which is set to resume in September, uh, uh, which uh, I can't wait. I cannot, I, I keep telling her, I'm like, I literally cannot wait to come scream, cheer you on like this entire I, show. Since the shutdown happened, I said, how exciting is it that you're going to be the revival Alphaba? I said you were the first Broadway closing Alphaba and, and the revival, revival Alphaba. Are they, <laughs> question, are they treating them as, rev, do they have to leave? They're not, okay. no. I was like, I wonder no, if that's some all. like weird equity rule where they have to treat it as no, like a revival. No, because they've still been like paying for the theater, I think, to stay True. in space. So it's technically still theirs, but Got it. I'm taking a drink of water. Sorry. If you no, that, that makes sense. No, I cannot wait to to go cheer her on. Oh, it's, it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. She's unbelievable. I saw her first show which happened to be the day before my mother's birthday, yes. her, her first birthday after she'd passed. So when Lindsay found out her Broadway debut date and it was the day before my mom's birthday, I was like, well, I obviously have to flat. Like that's clearly how I'm supposed to spend my mom's first birthday since she's passed. Bingo. I'm going to go watch you do your Broadway debut. And she was perfect. Like she was, per she wasn't nervous. Like it was like, she'd been doing it a million years. Like it was, she was absolutely fantastic. You're going to die. The one thing that just astounds me with her is the humility and like the precedent of, of like grace that she sets with her follower base. Like you look mm -hmm. at her and, and just like you, she is so open and vulnerable and human and transparent about uh, the fact that yes, like, they're, like the glitz and glamor of theater, but also like that it's hard work. Um, it's hard. The, the fact that I love that she's not afraid to say what's on her mind and, and, and just, mm -hmm. but with such a, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I watch the interaction that she has with folks that will put questions on Instagram and it's never phony. It's never, it's just so, so it's I, genuine I, and from the heart, yeah. like she doesn't sugarcoat things. And I think that's why our friendship is, has been successful the way that it is, is that she just, we don't bullshit each other. Yeah. And I think she was the first woman in my life that was supportive and encouraged me to be my best well, also, it, it's that whole like no one is. I'm better than no one. No one is better than me. And yes. that and that was like something that I'd never experienced in another woman. So when we met each other, it was like, oh hey, I know you. Yeah. You remind me of me. It was like old souls meeting for like the first time in this life. Did you coach like, her at all, or, or like? Or, no, I didn't know if like when she got you know when she started being seen for Wicked, if you had offered her any feedback or if. No, I mean that's the thing about Wicked is that Wicked when they audition people, they kind of see them for years. I think Lindsay had auditioned for Wicked before I had. So she, they had known her. Oh, wow. Yeah, but she was, I mean, her and I are the same age. So I think she, she had auditioned before me, then she was probably like 19 or 20, probably too young yeah. at the time. Um, so they eventually circled back around to her. And when she went in, I mean, it was very quick. It's, it, it's like when they know they want to cast you, I think they really 
yeah. speed you through the process. Cause she, for her, it was like, you know, she put something on tape and then went back in maybe once, once or twice more and then booked it. Like, and she's gone. I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> Which cow. is kind of what happened to me too. Like it you were the youngest other girls and right. Were you I the was, youngest? I was in an English speaking production. I think, uh, I think uh, the Mexico production, I think has me beat. She's from Argentina or something. I think she's 18. Yeah. But, um, I always yeah. find it interesting too, though, that like, it was so lovely to see footage of you because, and I, gosh, I mean, no disrespect because I, I would imagine there's gotta be this paradox of the fact that vocally, I feel like you've gotta be, you've gotta have some mileage on, on your odometer to know how to navigate that show every night. But at the same yeah. time, it's tricky because sometimes you see actresses that are much older, you know, veterans that are trying to play a 18 year old college student and, um, what was, I guess maybe like we can dive right into that. What was, what was Wicked like for you being so young? Wicked was, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Wicked was really hard for me. Wicked was a really hard experience. Um, the show itself was pretty easy. Uh, vocally, once I realized I could sing it, I was like, oh, okay. So now it's time to add the other stuff into it. Um, it was the screaming, the lines that really was hard for me to figure out how to navigate. Um, but it was a hard life backstage. It's already a role that is very isolating and people kind of leave you alone because it's a lot to do. So they don't really want to get in your way. Um, so I always had like an open door policy, like in my dressing room, like I would leave the door open, but people just don't, you know, they don't want to bug, they don't want to bug you. So it's, it's isolating and it's lonely and you can't do anything during the day because you're saving your voice and you know, people are on tour bond. It's a big cast. So when you've got, you know, like 50 people bonding with each other and you're the only one who's not, and you're being, you're the one being singled out on stage. It's like, it. I, I did it. I think I, I did it the longest consecutively. And it's like a rule now in Wicked that we don't do it as long as Emma did anymore. Cause 13 months was, it was too long for, for my mental psyche and, and yeah. my voice. And I think I was so skinny when it ended. I didn't go back to New York. I had to stay home with my family. Like I, I was done with theater and, um, and I met Lindsay, right? Like the day after, uh, I had finished in Wicked and she, and she and I like fell in love and she brought me into the Rockwell when they needed someone to step in for Cruel Intentions. And that she's the whole reason that I, I got back into theater. Like Lindsay really did. She like saved my life in a lot of ways. With Spring Awakening, what was, I mean, 16, 16 years old, you're making your Broadway debut. I know. What is that experience like? Because if I try to go back even 10 years, like, uh, it's like, sometimes it's like a blur. So like, do you remember that time well, or is it like a blur? It's more of a feeling. Like it's, really? it, it, there are certain, like, like the, when the sun is a certain way on a certain day, it'll remind me of like when I moved to New York and what that feeling felt like. New York feels like such a different memory in my mind than what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think really what the reason I was able to do it was the audacity. I was 16. You know what I mean? Like there was, yes. I, I think now who I am now looking back, I mean, I left no money, no parents. Like my mom really just trusted me to, I had a chaperone, but it was like, she was 21. You know, she just graduated from college. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of chaperone. But yeah. Sorry, mom. But <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was like, and I was get, being given a lot of money for the first time yeah. at my age. And I was in a cast with people my age. We were all doing the same thing. And not to be that asshole, but we were kind of the bell of Broadway at the time. Like people knew we were underage, but we could still walk into vinyl and get a martini because we were in Spring Awakening. Bingo. 
So like it was, I think I just got away with it because of the audacity. Looking back, I don't know that I could do that now. (laughs) But at the time it was just kind of like, well, yeah, that's what, that's what I have to do. I've always wanted to go to New York and I was going to go there someday anyway. So what's a couple years early. Yeah. Who does that? (laughs) (laughs) How did the, how did the opportunity come about for you? And I guess it's interesting that I'm working my way backward. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to know. And then, yeah, you go ahead. Um, so, so I was doing, I auditioned for 13, the musical at the Mark Taper Forum in Los Angeles. This is how it all started. You chug your water because I saw while you're chugging, I saw the video of you with Ariana Grande, like singing, it was like 10, <laughs> 10 years ago. I was like, like, what? Uh, like Britney Spears mashup. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I had, I had auditioned for 13 in LA. I didn't get it. Um, but the casting director was casting a play called Distracted, which I think they ended up doing in New York with like Cynthia Nixon, like not too long after. Yes. Um, and the assistant director in that show, it was also with Rita Wilson, who's Tom Hanks' wife. And um, the assistant director went to the Atlantic where Spring Awakening had started. And my mom was my agent at the time. And I really, Swing Awakening was the hot musical. I think they just won the Tony. I really wanted, they were having auditions in LA. I wanted to go in for it. Everyone was going in for it. And they would not see me. They said I wasn't right for um, any of the roles. And that I was most likely too young. Um, but, and then they, they weren't interested in seeing me. And so um, between uh, Rita Wilson and this lovely woman, Kat, who was the assistant director, um, they called in favors. And they got me an audition. Um, And then I went in and they liked me immediately. Go figure. Um, And then from there, it kind of just snowballed into the tour was coming out. They were looking at me seriously for the tour for either Marta or Ilsa. Mm -hmm. Um, Or no, it was just for Marta. And then they had this big like, big callback session with everyone who uh, ended up booking the tour and eventual future Broadway replacements and people who didn't end up being in the show at all. And it was like this massive callback where we went to like Pearl Studios and like we did a dance call for Spring Awakening where there's no dance. Where you like, like stomp on the ground and do this. Literally. <laughs> we literally had to do like grapevines across the floor. It was very confused. We warmed up with yoga. I'm, I'm still confused about it. Um, so we... <laughs> Uh, we had this like big thing. They had us the final day. It was like, it should have been a reality show on MTV. The final day they had us all audition with our scenes and our songs on the Broadway stage with the handheld microphones. So I'm up there on stage uh, and I'm singing Dark I Know Well and I do the scenes and everyone's really quiet. And I just hear Michael Mayer in the back of the theater go, Emma, do you know Blue Wind? me like a fucking idiot I'm like I know every song in the show <laughs> I can do it so he gives me this the the Ilsa monologue that big long monologue in act two and he's like I know you're not going to learn this in 10 minutes but just do do as best as you can um and you can hold this scene when you come down and, and read it and I was like okay so I did that um went back home flew back home to LA didn't hear anything for a couple of months and then they were like we're gonna bring you or that I got a phone call saying whichever role opens first, Marta or Elsa, we'd love for you to come back in and do final readings for. I was like, okay. So then Lauren put in her notice. I went, uh, I flew back to New York. They flew me to New York. They made another girl pay for her flight and her lodgings, but they put me up. 
And then the third girl was Jenna Ushkowitz, who was already in the show and was swinging at the time. So that it just like from that, I mean, I literally, I left my audition that day. We got a phone call that night, TGI Fridays and like I in Times Square <laughs> and I moved to New York the next week. That's crazy. And how All did you because know? Because I didn't book 13. Because you, I know. And I always tell folks like when I'm doing readings for actors and I'm like, look, I'm like, there are times where I'm like, all I know is that you start working by this month. Or, and I'm like, and look, and sometimes they'll be so um, really focused on this show. And I'm like, look, all I know is that if you get this, it's this month. It's going to lead you, to this. You got it. Or if you don't get it, it's literally like the pressure from this door slamming on you is enough pressure to open this to one. force this one open. And you better have your eyes. Because, oh gosh, that's the other thing that I... Well, I think of how many people miss opportunities because they're like, oh, that's not the project that I wanted, not realizing that that's the project that's going to get you the other thing. Bingo. Or the one the one thing that I have so amongst many that I have so much respect for with Broadway actors is that sometimes I find that when I talk about opportunity to somebody that doesn't work in theater, like where they are hustling their ass off night and day, if I were to just say something to, again, and no disrespect to them, but like just an everyday client, about a side hustle that I think could be really beneficial for them. I think sometimes the danger is that they think it's just going to fall into their lap. They're like, well, you told me that I would be opening a side business and making money. And I'm like, I, you still I, have to do the thing though. You have to do the thing where I think I told you it was going to be a good idea. You still go. have to have the idea and put it into action. Yeah. I mean, it's cause it's all the free will. Like, sure. It's yeah. there, but are you going to, like, are, are you going to, like, so, like, for example, with, with working steadily as a medium right now and starting to, to meet, you know, it really expand, like, I don't think that that would have been possible if I hadn't started this. And so if somebody would have told me, like, your, your name's going to grow, wonderful, but I, I think the temptation is to just think that it's going to happen on its own versus, okay, you, you kind of have to work for it, so... Yeah, how do I make my name grow? Mm -hmm. Because I know once I put the effort into it, it will be fruitful. But I got you still got to figure out how to do it. Bingo. So did your mom know Rita Wilson then? So was your mom like, hey, do this for, hey, Rita, like do this for? No, like my mom, my mom, while she was like a really fantastic agent and like, and definitely stood up for uh, other people, she wasn't a pushy person. Like I think she would have probably been weirded out if she had done that. But she... I think she had mentioned to Kat, my mom and Kat were pretty close because Kat was looking out for me as the assistant director. I was the only kid in the uh, show. Okay. When you so had mentioned think, her. Yeah. And my mom was like, I think my mom had just mentioned that they didn't want to see me. And Kat was like, let me see what I can do. Yeah. Hold on. How fortunate for you to be able to look back and be like, my mom was my agent. Like to talk about like. I know, right? Who better to lobby for you to. See, to advocate for you and see all the different facets and sides of you as a mother and then to go okay i've seen that side of her come out too she'd probably be really good for this part or this part or yeah that. well and i think the common misconception too with people um especially when you're a child actor in the industry and when people hear that my mom was an agent uh, people automatically assume stage mom yeah which my mom was not my mom was the total opposite of a stage mom. And she um, she always says that the person who got me involved in the industry asked me first really, to make sure that I wanted to do it as a child. 
Um, and my mom always said, well, it's a good thing you asked her first, because if you asked me, I would have said no. no. My mom really became an agent because she was a child actress and she didn't want to do it. And she was forced into it. Um, and then she had a child actress who did love to do it. So she knew how to advocate for children. So she repped mostly kids and preteens. And she was really able to sniff out the good parents between the bad parents. And she was no bullshit. You know, when parents would say like, oh, they have a school thing or, oh, I have work. My mom would be like, we would drive an hour and a half from Riverside to go to auditions every day. Yeah, It can be done. Yeah. Do you, how badly do you want it? Because it can be done. I mean, so I she's no bullshit, but she's awesome. One of the questions that came in for you would be, I guess that came in for both of us, but I'd love for you to start is it, it came from a good, it came from a good trouble fan. So um, oh, the question was advice for starting a career either in theater or, or as a medium, you know, in mediumship. So any advice you could give in the longevity or how to get started? I think it's so hard because I think everyone has their own path. And, um, and again, it takes sort of dedication and figuring out what that path is for you and how best you want to go about getting there, doing your research and figuring out like, you know, taking classes or finding mentors, people who have actually lived through it, um, to sort of help guide you. Uh, my biggest advice is whenever people are always like, what's your number one piece of advice in the industry? I, my, my main response is always, do you have the balls to wait it out? Because everyone that I know has gotten that job eventually. Like, I, I think people forget, like I'm on a TV show now and I'm 29, which is like, it's pretty, I got when I was 27, I was, I'm young, but I've been doing this for 21 years. Mm -hmm. So it took me 21 years to get a, a series regular at a TV show, which people forget. And everyone that I know that's had the, the dedication and the drive and the passion and has done the work and taken the classes and, and seen the shows and read the scripts, They've all gotten that job eventually. It's whether they have the balls to, to stick it out and wait it out. I, I've seen so many people give up on their careers because they didn't hit by the time they were 30. When like, of course, you're not going to hit by the time you're 30. You are clearly supposed to be like a mom. Yeah. Or like a weird witch in the woods. Like you're not going to play your type for another 10 years. So do you do the work for the next 10 years knowing that you're going to get that job eventually? And like, it's also like manifestation. It's like, if you say, I, there's nothing I say that I can't do. Yes. And I, I feel I've gotten so frustrated with um, particularly cis white men in the industry, because a lot of them are like, well, just do what makes you happy. Do what makes you comfortable. And it's like, well, that's easy to say for someone who doesn't have to, who doesn't have anything to lose you like you know your job ends you get to go stay with your mom in your nice house in the middle of like i don't if this doesn't work out for me i'm fucked yeah so like it's that it's that it has to happen it's like it, it's a manifestation of like saying like this is what i want to do dedicating my time and my mental energy to becoming that person without it overrunning my life and like having the balls to wait it out i, I feel it's so little has anything to do with I mean, talent, sure, but it's mostly luck. It's mostly who you know. It's how you fall into it. It's you do you love the thing you're doing enough that a show in a basement is just as important to you as a show on Broadway? Because then it's like, then, then you're doing it. Then you're successful in the industry. Easy, done. Yeah. What is success to you? 
how far are you willing to, how dedicated are you to your craft or whatever that is to making it happen? So I think it's, it's, a, it's a tricky question because I don't know how to get started in the industry because that's been my life, my whole life. I've never known anything other than this life that I was going to do. And, and I grew up in LA. I was lucky. I grew up in a town that is centered around the industry, but I just think because there was never any other option for me that the impulse to just keep pushing. And even, even if I wasn't in the right door, it was like, well, I'll make it the right door and I'll figure it out and I'll, or I'll find the exit and there'll be another door in there. It'll be fine. Bingo. So it's, it's a tricky, I feel like that's not helpful to anyone, which I, I wish I could give a more helpful answer, but it, it, it really is just like, everyone's path is different. And it's like, you've got to figure out, is it theater that makes you happy? Is it film that makes you happy? Is it television? There are different classes to take for different things. Are you a singer? Do you want to just do straight plays? Do you want to do musicals? Figure out what makes you happy and then figure out how to be the best at it. Yeah. I No, I think your answer is incredibly helpful. I, I think... You said it best. I mean, and, and to piggyback off of that, because sometimes I'll get questions like where if you're like, well, how did you get to TV? And you're like, well, I've been I've been working at it like I, I've been sometimes, you know, local people that are, um, you know, um, really diehard theater fans will, will be like, how? Like, how did you get to chat with Eva Noblezada or Emma Hunton or Stephanie J. Yeah. Or. I, there's no other option. It's there's, like, that's where you're, there's no other option. And it's a couple of, yes, you have to, you have to do the work because if I gave shit readings, no, then I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I don't think I, I, I what, if there's one thing that I know about the theater community. They're fiercely protective of their own is what I will say. Yes. So if I had done a shit job on a reading, let's say with Lindsay, there is no way Lindsay would have said, Oh, go see, go see Jimmy. You too. have to go talk to Jimmy. Yeah. Bingo. 100%. So, I mean, for, for, I guess that would be part of my answer. Um, I, 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 when somebody's in doubt, no matter what career I always say, manifest it. Put, or I say, put up a light. Um, I say, put out like a little satellite call to the universe of, I think this is what I want to do. Can you just, I always like visualize, I know it sounds silly. I visualize like, Oh goodness! Um, I was just watching it. Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade, the third one, where it looks like there's this huge jump that Indiana can't make, and when he puts the one foot forward, he realizes like it's like an optical illusion, and the path has been there the entire time. He just has to go like one foot in front of the other. And for me, when I started, I trained at a spiritual a spiritualist community um, about an hour away from me. That's like really. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, whatever the top theater college, like a Carnegie Mellon or, or like, you know, conservatory. Yeah, Michigan. Uh, bingo. Of, I know Michigan, right? With like, gosh, all the <laughs> folks that have come out of there. Um, right. Like right. Uh, that equivalent. And then, but but then you leave that training. So I guess to, to answer for, for um, starting a career as a medium, number one, get trained. Do not go to YouTube. YouTube is not the first place to start. Go to somebody that has credentials i mean online training can be great if you're going to pay someone to teach you um don't expect it for free you know you are you are giving somebody you know they are they are giving of their time and of their resources so you want to go to somebody i say that you get a good gut feeling off of that you um um that you just feel like you connect with um and then from there but it's tricky though as a medium i don't you don't train 
like the way you would in like a conservatory. Like I had two days of training and then that was it. No, wow. And then from there, this, this is the training reading you is the training right. reading. Um, it's just going out there and doing it bingo because otherwise it's, it's otherwise it's just meditation on your own. Or it's like, I'm encountering my same family members over and over. And like, you're going to hit a wall where you go, okay, I need to start to read people that, that I, that I don't know. And when I left I there, know. when I left there, I put up a little light. I asked the trainer, I go, I don't know what to do. I said, I really want to do this. What should I do? And she said, it's going to sound like the most generic answer or like, I don't care. But she was like, write it down, manifest it to the universe that you want to. She said, be a light worker. And I shit you not, um, less than a month later, I had mentioned that I took a training um, to a friend of mine. And this friend had a friend that was just recently looking to connect with a medium. And they were like, would you want to, would you want to meet with this person? And um, so I met one good reading and then it turned into what, almost nine, nine, 10 years later like here. And so I guess yeah. I would say train, what else did I have written down? Train, um, as you're training, I, I won't lie though, know when to turn it off, know when to balance your work with your personal life. I'm also going to mm -hmm. know when to accept payment. I, I think sometimes when we're training, we're like, oh, I don't need to get paid. I, I've seen so many Instagram posts about like, you know, maybe we could stop doing this for free and saying like it's gig experience or no, even right. If, even if somebody is paying you in a gift card, accept it. I've done, I've done readings for Starbucks cards. Have, have you? I have, I don't care. There's sandwiches there. It's, I it's, can eat. it's an energy exchange because if you are just mm -hmm. somebody as the medium that is just reading and reading and reading for free, you are becoming a drain and not a fountain. And so mm. I always say, I, I know, no, mind you, I do free readings every month. There's folks where I'm like, um, or, or I'll do it in the form of, I know you booked a half hour. Can we do 45 minutes today? Cause I really want to talk more with you or, so there's a way of giving back and, and you know, you still train yourself in the process, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think what's interesting too, about both of our careers is that we have to rely on our intuition a lot. So much. So and I think, and like, which is like, they're, they're so different, but they're really not. I mean, we're both telling people's stories. stories. We're telling other people's stories. You have to tell the story about, so <laughs> I, I read Lindsay and it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Her, your mom came through during Lindsay's reading. And I was like, why is this woman all up in your professional business? I was like, she is treating you like, and I remember she cut me off and she went, she was my agent. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this is wild. And she gave mm -hmm. some really specific I remember I had the letter E written down and I, um, really specific things. So I'm going to turn it over to you now because this there was is something. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, so Lindsay had called me after your guys' reading and she was like, Emma, I just spoke to this medium. You have to talk to him. Your mom came through. And then she mentioned that you, I don't know if you remember this, probably not because you have so many readings all the time, but she was like, he asked if you had like a deer or something in your room or if like deer mean anything to you yes. i have a decal of a deer mounted on my wall do you i shit you can't i'll show you yes <gasps> that's it's beautiful i put it up the day before so like the, essentially the day you guys had been doing your read or like literally the day before you done your reading 
So um, she, I had been wanting to talk to a medium for a while, but like we said before, you have to go with your gut and you have to, it's like dating kind of, you have to find the right match for you. Um, And so she knew that I was like looking into it, but it had been almost a year since, um, or it had been like, yeah, it had been, uh, it was a year for, till her birthday or, or about to be her birthday. Um, and it'd been and a year, a, a year and a half since she'd passed. And, um, so she had just mentioned, but she didn't mention you by name. She just said, she spoke to this medium. He's, a, he's adorable. He's amazing. You have to talk to him. It was the craziest experience. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Tight, tight. <laughs> and then I, I sat on it for like about a week and a half. And then I finally, like, I don't know what it was, but there, I woke up one day and I was like, I think, I think I'm going to ask Lindsay about this guy and I think I'm not and I'm gonna ask her about her experience and or like delve into it more I think I'm just gonna like go for it and just ask him and I went to text her and I just said hey what was the name of that psychic uh can you can you give it to me but I my phone auto-corrected to James which was your name what I said what was his name and it was what was his James (laughs) and it was really weird and it was like one of those moments where she was like what James and I was like no name and she said no it's James and I was like shut up his name is James <laughs> sure is uh, so that was that and then she sent me your number and I was like it was that moment, it was that gut instinct moment where I was like okay this is clearly the person that I'm supposed to talk to this is this is the person that's gonna make me feel comfortable with with my mother's passing and I think that was the coolest thing that I've been able to share with other people so many times people I think go into these experiences expecting like a crystal ball and like this is going to happen to you next year and you're going to work in this in this job and you're going to talk to you're going to fall in love with this person and I said I didn't feel that I said there were things that came through for sure that were like these things to look out for in your future but I said for the first time since my mother passed I was able to talk to her so like when when people pass away where we go oh that's it I can never talk to them again or, or I can't have a two-way conversation. I can talk, but I can't hear them respond. So for the first time, I didn't feel like my mother was gone. Even though she's always here, it was like, oh, that door to communication is always open and therefore I don't struggle to, to find the key to it anymore. It's like, okay, the door's unlocked. I know it's there. There's not a need to search for it all the time anymore. And that was like such a wonderful gift that you gave me. And so many people are like, that's so cool. I wanna talk to him. <laughs> Yes. I I mean, you bring up such a beautiful point because I guess two things that I I might ask you if you, if you don't, if you mind sharing some stuff from our time together. But first thing is somebody has asked me before, is there a healthy amount of time after someone's passing before we should try to see a medium? It depends on you. It depends on because it's just today I read somebody and I've, I've seen mediums before say like, don't try to come until like a year and a half to two years because they're not available yet. They're still basically like downloading on the other side of the equipment. I'm like, that's a crock of shit. I'm like, that's not true. Just today I, I read someone and, and, and as much as it, it, it breaks my heart, I cannot even tell you the amount of folks that have been coming through from COVID that have been dying from COVID. Oh. And so... I was like, I have, I have your father here. And uh, this was another one that was recently, but 
I'm like, I can't breathe. I feel like it's it's shallow, and I feel like it's now COVID is its own symbol on my body. Like it it feels like I don't even know how to describe the the the, the breath that that happens. It feels really short. And she was like, my, my dad passed actually two weeks ago from, she had already booked the reading to see me before her dad oh. even. So Oof. it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's fast. Um, sometimes I, I hate to say it. Sometimes I think if you have a medium that is not paying attention to all the spirit or energy that is around them, they'll go, oh, I didn't get them because they're too new on the other side. They're like, they've been gone three years. And I'm like, that's not new to the other side. So I always yeah. say it's going to boil down to what you feel comfortable when you feel ready. And you said it best, Emma. There, When you see a medium, don't forget. Like I always say, I like to use the word medium first before psychic because right. a medium is not going to give you the psychic information unless you ask or, or unless I feel compelled. A medium is the, the key to allowing you to have a two-way conversation with somebody, one of your loved ones. The psychic component, and if you're just a psychic standalone, that means you're not communicating with the deceased. So if you're ever booking or reading with somebody, you need to ask first, are you a psychic or are, 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 are you, you a, medium? a medium? If you're a medium, you're already a psychic. It's just whether or not you choose to use that part of, yeah. of your ability. But um do you do you mind it, whatever you feel not comfortable at all. sharing? I I tell people about our reading all the time. So do I don't you really? Mind oh yeah, all the time. I would go ahead. I would love to hear from from your experience. Well, my favorite story still is the is the time thing. There was in the beat. Our reading started, and you you said before we even get into this, I just want to let you know that the overall message of our conversation today is going to be that you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. And I was like, okay, cool. So we had this beautiful session with like one, many wonderful moments. My father came through, like there, it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful session. And then at the very end, you asked if I had any questions for you. And I said, yeah, what are some signs that I know are my mom coming in from the universe? Cause you were like, yeah, I don't get the vibe that she's like a butterfly in the wind kind of girl. She was not. She was not. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you were like, it's interesting. I feel like you both looked at the clock. Like I'm getting like an 11, 11, but it's not 11, 11. It's like weird yes. consecutive numbers. And I was like, 10, 17, it's 10, 17. And my mom and I both looked at the clock every day at 10, 17. I still do. Um, and you said, that's a way of your mom saying hi. And for shits and giggles, you looked up what the angel number meant. And the angel number definition was you are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. <laughs> and I love telling that story because everyone I tell that story to stops whatever they're doing. And they're like, you're joking. And that's I was true. like, if it didn't, if it were any more real, it'd be fiction. Yeah. It like, it, 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 happened. it, it was, if I weren't there, I wouldn't believe it. It, it was crazy. It was just one of those crazy things that I was yeah. like. And I already knew by that point in our session that you were like, I mean, before we had our session that you were the real deal. So it was just one of those moments where it was like, because <laughs> here's the other thing as the medium, if you were to tell, if, if somebody else were to tell me that it happened to them, I'd be like, you, you have to be in that moment. And, and I won't, that is what is, that is what's kind of so neat about seeing people like Tyler Henry at work. When you watch the reading play out on television, you're like, Oh my, like, like 
it is it's it's nuts. And I remember it's nuts. when I was reading you in the best way. In the because then you go, and I always say it's the it's something that's gonna come through that like you have you don't expect at all, and that's what seals the like. Because I remember I kept hearing. And because and, here's the thing, I guess even more to the point, if, if and my job's not to convert a skeptic, but if someone were a skeptic listening, they, they could say, well, you already knew that Emma's mom was deceased because you read Lindsay. Sure. I had no knowledge about your father. And I kept hearing, mm-hmm. and now mind you, when they're persistent, they, I kept hearing Joe, 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 Joe. And I'm like, uh, I go, this feels like dad. And um, you are also the prime example of somebody that, you come you come in so open to the experience and i always say open is not gullible they're very different things and mm-hmm. oh, yours was just so lovely your mom if if you don't mind i mean please could go you ahead just, could you just share like like what was your like because i she flooded me with hers but like do you have any fun stories of your mom because your mom just seemed like this like ball buster who just like she really, really was. She, <laughs> one of my favorite stories um, that kind of sums up who my mom is was when I was in second grade. Um, I was a very avid reader. I was always way above my grade in reading, but my math skills were not. I mean, still to this day, I'm like I use my fingers to count, like, and they're bad. Same here. <laughs> like I'm bad with math. So um, because I was such a voracious reader, I was put into a lot of reading groups and I had somehow, it it had just gotten by everyone that I wasn't put into any math group. So when we came time to testing, I didn't know how to multiply. I hadn't been taught how. So um, I, my grades started slipping and um, I stopped paying attention in math because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And so my teacher went to my mom and said, hey, I think there might be a learning issue here I think she might have ADHD and my mom was like oh my god my child okay like what do we do how do we fix this and she's like well a lot of parents have found success putting their kids on Ritalin so my mom went to Barnes and Noble because this was before you could just look up a Kindle book on Amazon or whatever or even really Google search and she bought, I, I mean, every book on the subject and went through and looked at all of the characteristics uh, of ADHD, uh, the effects of medication um, over the course of a week. And then I came out of class one day to find my mother and the teacher in the middle of the playground. <laughs> my parents circle around them. Oh no. At like an award-winning like school, Blue Ribbon School. And my mother is like chewing this woman out. She's like, just because you don't know how to fucking teach my daughter, I'm not going to put her on medication. So she's easier for you to handle. If you don't know how to teach her, I'm going to take her to another school and I'm going to make sure you get fired. And she's like, how dare you? How dare your first suggestion be to put my child on medication because you fucked up. Holy cow. Oh yeah. My mom like left work early and she was like, come on, Emma. And I was like, yes, ma'am. Like that was, <laughs> but that was my mom. That was my mom would think first and then react later. And if, and if you pissed her off that you did not want that reaction. Yeah. My mom was not hot headed. She was very like, if you said something, she went and did her research and then she came back. She's like, let me tell you all the ways you just fucked up. Yeah. And that was, 
growing up with that was, I mean, you can't, you can't ask for anything better than that. Like someone, she always fought for the underdog. Yeah. Um, and, and I think growing up, I, I was always very aware that my mom was also the underdog. So she didn't take shit from anyone. And it, and it, and that, that story is just kind of like the epitome of her. And, you know, just like her, we have this quote that we always say in our family uh, where I was, I was like four or five in a Home Depot parking lot playing with a stick and I almost got hit by several cards and my mom started, Emma, Emma, first of all, put down the fucking stick. Yeah. So now anytime anyone in our family is not listening, it's first of all, put down the stick. <laughs> It's like little Erica Huntinism. So it's like she's she's still here in all those little sayings that we say every day. She of her yelling at me. You have to like the the way you described it. It's funny. Like that almost reminds me. And I, and now I haven't seen it. I am familiar with the music and and some of the clips. But it reminds me of that scene literally from Freaky Friday where they like pull in the student, you know, with the blame to talk about mm-hmm. something going on with the daughter. And, and it's it's neat to kind of finally see. Um, it really was up. that a lot of that inspiration was from my mom like a lot of that like when we talked about what that scene was and I was like well really? here's the thing my mom was like when I would get in trouble and I she would they they would call her down to school like more in like high school um it would always be like well okay well we'll talk about this you know like when we I, I don't see anything wrong that my daughter did I I back her up in this and I see I see how you could get frustrated, but this is probably why she did X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying it's okay, but we also have to be very patient. And like, my mom was very diplomatic, but then when we'd leave the room, she'd be like, you ever fucking do anything like that? I swear to God, I'm going to lock you in your room, scheduled feeding times. You're only going to have a mattress. Like my mom, she was, she always had my back in public. And it was, I think, important for her to know that she, for everyone else to know that she always had my back, but it was important for me to know that she wasn't going to let me get away with shit. Yeah. Your mom was, your mom, I was so grateful that I was able to meet her, you know, so to speak, and bring her through. And she loved, the. I remember she mentioned how much she loved the party, the rager that was basically yes. thrown for her as like a, as a, like a service. I mean, she, I, as a memorial, I was like, was there a pool? And you're like, oh, yes, there was a pool. And I was like, I feel like this party went into like the wee hours. And you're like, it did. <laughs> it did. It did. It went to like six o'clock in the morning. And that's the thing is it was just people sitting around talking about her drinking we um we we rented this beautiful house it was frank sinatra's house like out in woodland hills and um and we got her favorite sandwiches this place from brent's deli and before she passed she um she turned to my aunt and she was like i don't want costco sandwiches at my funeral don't get me fucking costco (laughs) i want brent's deli so we we printed that quote out and put it in a picture frame and put it in front of the sandwiches. <laughs> we had a coffee bar because even until the very end, even when she wasn't, she had no appetite, she would still ask for a cup of coffee because she loved the smell. So I remember I smelled coffee, coffee during your reading and it's interesting yes. because I had a coffee candle going, but what's neat is that when you really get into it, I'm like, it's not this. I'm like, That's this, not that. this is Yankee candle espresso roast. I'm like, this is like, I can smell like, you can almost feel the heat of the coffee as it's by your mouth mm. for me. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. She, what I love too, is that so many times, I mean, I, you know, like you mentioned, I don't want these, I don't want Costco sandwiches. I'll have folks that will come through and 
to me, like what a, what a beautiful way of validating their presence because one time somebody is like, I'm like, now mind you, I'm hearing the message and I'm like, I'm literally hearing, like I see a woman in a casket, like really bad lipstick and I see the word like whore and I'm like, um, I don't feel, I, I don't. I don't know if I should say this. And clients will know because like they'll see me, like my eyes and I'm like, and sometimes I'll just say out loud, I'm like, I'm not saying that. And they're like, oh no, you can go say it. And like, but then I'm like, I don't know. Are you the one that the message is intended for? And I'm like, right. Are um, you the whore? So I'm like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna, um, I'm like, I think your, your mom's, um, just jokingly. I'm like, is she joking or is she upset? I'm like, um, did somebody do her makeup a little, like a little too much? And remember the woman's like, oh, they made her look like a whore at the funeral. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. So I'm like, she, she's a little raw about that lovingly, you know? And, um, but then they'll, some, she chimed in going, no, 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 but we switched the makeup before, before we had her buried. So it's that type of validation that, you know, really cements yeah. the experience. So. I remember you had said something too that felt very, very much like my mom. And it was when my dad came through. And um, and for those who don't know, I, I grew up not knowing my father. I was estranged from my father. So the fact that he even, I wasn't really expecting him to come through the reading. So the fact that he did it all was really wonderful. But you were you were saying, you were like, you asked me who Joe was. I was like, that's my father. He said, it's interesting because your mom is here and your dad's trying to come through, but she just turned to him and said, it's not your turn yet, fucker. <laughs> I forgot about that. And I started laughing because I was like, that, that, <laughs> and it was very early on in the reading. And I was like, oh, that's, that's how my mother would say that. And it, you kind of giggled and it was, it's not how you talk. So I'm, I'm swearing like a sailor, just like my mom. Oh no, no, that's but, not um, how I talk during a reading. During my, a reading. My mouth is Filthy when filthy. I'm out of a reading. But it was like, I could tell you were like, do I say, <laughs> I'm going to say this. <laughs> it was, it just felt like it, it felt like my mom saying it. And that was validation for me. Yeah. And like, so early in the reading, it just got me more excited about all the stuff that was coming out because it sounded, it sounded like she would have said those exact words in that order. That makes me so yeah. happy. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You, I felt like you really just got her personality. That's, very that's well. the best thing that you can, but I'm also very fortunate because if somebody doesn't have a lively personality, I know it sounds awful. They show me like the American Gothic painting where they're like, and so you can't really bring through a personality if they don't have a big one. So, but that is yeah. their way. So sometimes I'll just go like, were they kind of dry? And I'm like, I'm going to be very honest. Like I'm hearing, I hear like the, like for dry red eyes. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, were they like Ben, Ben Stein? And they're like. They're like, oh, we hated going to grandma's house because she was so boring. I'm like, okay, so I'm at least I validated, you know, because yeah. the way I word it is I'm like, if I were at a party, I'm like, I don't mean this rudely. I'm like, I, I probably wouldn't hang out with your grandma. And and so sometimes that's all I have to say. And they're like, me either. <laughs> so um, it doesn't mean that they didn't love them, but it meant like, but I'm like, oh, but I've got this grandma here that feels so different and like so radically. Yeah. So the person well, I love that you said you were like, I just feel like she's wearing a shirt that says gay, every gay man's best friend. And I just want her to sit next to me. Yes. And I was like, yes, that's her. All of my male gay friends loved her. I, like it was like I wasn't in the room when they were around. I <laughs> and uh, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that that our paths were able to cross and that I can, Me too. you know, um, now, Oh, it, it's just a real, 
it's just a real blessing. So I thank you. Um, yeah. And now it's time for some last minute questions. Only watch one musical over and over and over. What would you pick? See, I want to give like a lovely answer, like one of my favorite musicals that I could just watch forever and ever. But I'm also, I get annoyed really easy. So I'd probably have to pick something like The Mystery of Edwin Drood that tra- changes every night. Huh. That's a good so choice. A different show. That you is know, a good like choice. Just something that changes. So it's like, well, at least the ending's different. Character that you've played that could benefit most from a medium. Probably Natalie in Next to Normal. Natalie, she, I think she'd talk to the brother. I think she should. She should. She should, because she needs to square away so much. If you could time travel, and let's just be honest, take a role away from somebody that like made somebody a star or solidified their stardom, but you could originate that part, what would it be? Ooh. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that. Because I think my answer has always been I want to originate a role. But I guess if I could originate a role. Oh, this is hard. Um, I don't know. I've, a dream role of mine has always been Aida. Like to do Amneris and Aida. So maybe, I w- and like that's such a great score. So like maybe maybe that. I think good. that would be that's cool a, to like. That's a good Sherry choice. Renee Scott. Yeah. I got to wear Sherry Renee Scott's hat. I took my students on one of those um, tours at the New Amsterdam on a weekend. And so they uh, bring out, Emma, I shit you not, they bring out all of the My Strongest Suit Sherry Renee Scott hats. And so she would, bingo. And so she was like, if you're a big Broadway fan, and I'll mind you, my, my kids are younger, they're like, this has like Sherry Renee Scott's DNA on it. And I'm like freaking out going like, of course, I'm like trying to like my best use like psychometry and like, like sense her energy, even though she, you know, she's alive. And the kids are like, who? And I'm like, go on stage, go to the next part of the tour. If you're not going to appreciate this, Sherry Renee. Oh my God. That's, I heard someone the other day, not to go too off topic, but I heard oh. someone the other day say, um, I've been listening to a lot of the Spice Girls lately. My mom introduced me to them. Did you like? Meanwhile, I'm wearing a shirt where Betty Boop is all of the Spice Girls. Spice <laughs> Spice World. World was like my favorite movie. Gr- like, um, just the entire movie like was so like riveting for me. Like, I was like iconic, iconic. When she's like, you know, the little Gucci dress, the little gu- and, and like, um, when they go over the, the tiny the bri- little bus. Yes, and then she's like, hold on, Shanika's girls, and they go over the bridge, and then the aliens like probe them, but then they get free tickets to their what concert. The probing, and then oh, the man oh, that like oh. somehow like sneaks in with like a toilet. There's like the weird paparazzi or spy or something. Their be- all of their best friend has a baby, There's... and they deliver it. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Like if there this needs to be a drinking game. <laughs> our drinking game. Okay, we've got a couple. Um, one of the drinking games is Showgirls. Um. I have a drinking game to show girls too. Do you? Mm-hmm. Um, Every time they do drugs, I take a sip. It's a lot of sips. Which is, um, oh gosh, there's so many. Um, I have to, like, uh, we do that. We have the Ten Commandments, the old Yule Brenner Ten Commandments drinking game. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because it's like, basically, like, you're drunk by, like, five minutes into the film. Like, basically, it's like anytime yeah. there's something offensive that happens, like, take a shot. Um, or anytime the girls talk about nails or chips. Bingo. Yep, chips or fajitas. Or when, uh, she, when fajitas. she, like, throws the fries in the air and then she vomits out that weird, like, was she sick? Like, did she have a bad burrito? <laughs> like, 
you know, and like, I'm like, is it symbolism? I'm, like, I'm lost. I, I am so grateful to call you a new friend as well. And me too. Well, everyone at home, I'm going to put up her, her handle. I'm going to put up some, some links to good trouble. Some of my favorite Emma Hunton clips. One of my favorite ones is just the random punch within the freaky Friday bootleg on, on YouTube. <laughs> How you're just like, just so like, Every time I, I rewound oh, it a couple times, a couple times I rewound it. So um, <laughs> everyone at home, be well, go check out Emma Hunton, go check out Good Trouble and um, I will see you soon. Thank you so much, yes. Emma. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. I want to thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed if you want to learn more about Stage Door Medium, please feel free to give me a follow at Stage Door Medium on Instagram, stagedoormedium.com, and on YouTube, Stage Door Medium as well. I hope you're well, and we'll see you soon.